Father, we pause in your presence this morning. We've sung spiritual songs and made melody in our heart. We've given you worship and we've given you praise and we've excitedly worshiped with singers today. We've come to a time now, O oh Lord, when we ponder the word of the Lord. We ask you, O oh God, to speak to our heart as only you can through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. God, would you just speak to us this morning? Would you hallow this place with your presence and let the anointing of the Holy Spirit rest upon this an unworthy man. Use me, O oh God, today, for except you touch me, I cannot preach. Help us, Lord, this morning. We need your touch. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament is called the Aristotle of the New Testament, the architect of the early church. Jesus said very little about the church except to say, that concerning the church, I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church Jesus builds. Now, if we build it, uh, the gates of hell might mess us up. But if the Lord builds it, if the Lord builds the house, last verse of the second chapter of Acts says, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved saved. Well, that early church, if you study, you'll find out that God did many, many miracles, and God wrought great, great healing, great deliverance, great wonderful revival in a city of Samaria where everybody in town was shouting and saved, and Peter went down and preached Holy Spirit baptism to them, and they received the Holy Spirit, and wonderful things happened. But all of that happened amidst great, great turmoil and persecution. In fact, you would almost read synonymously of the persecution and the miracles. Locked in jail, God shook the jailhouse and opened the doors. Prison for Peter, killing for James. Easter comes, going to kill Peter after Easter. Church prayed, angel came, opened doors, went out. It's like persecution and growth went together. And it seems that in the early days of, of Pentecostalism, that's kind of the way it was. The church grew so rapidly, and God just expanded and moved so marvelously, but it was in the midst of a lot of persecution along the way, a lot of slanderous things and that kind of thing. But thanks be to God, the church survived and became the fastest growing group of gospel-preaching Christians in the world was these spirit-filled people. Uh, Peter Wagner, the great uh, professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, wrote a great book and said, here, watch out, here comes the Pentecostals. Amen. Watch out, here comes the Pentecostals. And uh, since that time, God has sent wave after wave, the charismatic renewal, all of the, those things are part of God moving in these last days. But the one thing that you don't really see in the modern church is what we saw in the New Testament church is the persecution and uh, people dying for their faith and people being uh, beaten and arrested and carried. to And one of those people that persecuted the church the most was a man named Paul. Yeah. Well, his name was Saul to begin with, and his hometown was Tarsus. And uh, he grew up in the city of Tarsus and fat, sat at the feet of Dr. Gamaliel, who was the great Jewish scholar, was, was a professor of law at all of their institutions of higher learning. And Paul was schooled in all of the things concerning Judaism and uh, the history and also the outlook for Judaism. Paul, one day on his road to Damascus, carrying letters to arrest people and bring them back to Jerusalem and have them put in prison and beaten and persecuted for being a Christian, the Bible said, I saw a great light. This is his own testimony. I was cast down to the ground. In other words, it knocked me off my donkey. And lying on the ground there, he felt that he was in the presence of someone greater than himself. And he said, who art thou, Lord? Now, it wasn't necessarily referring to God or Jesus. He was referring to somebody bigger than me. 
Something has happened that has brought me to my knees. Something has happened that's rendered me totally unable to do anything of myself except just ask, what do you want? Who are you and what do you want me to do? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Did you know that when the church is persecuted, Jesus is persecuted? Jesus said, if they won't receive you, they don't receive me. And said, don't worry about it if people hate you because they hated me before they hate you. Amen. In other words, you and Jesus, we're kind of in this thing together, you know. And that encounter with God became the testimony of the Apostle Paul throughout his life. And you've heard me tell how that he gave his testimony before Festus and then he gave his testimony before Felix and Drusilla and then he gave the testimony before King Agrippa and Agrippa rose from his throne, you remember? And he said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. That's in the 26th chapter of Acts. And then the 27th chapter is when Paul is appealing to Rome. For you see, Paul had something a lot of folks didn't in, that were in Palestine, especially that were Jewish. Paul was a Roman citizen. And every Roman citizen, I don't know how he came to that, that uh, acquire that trait, but he was a Roman citizen. And so when he was in the, in the courtroom, he said, I appeal to Caesar. That means that he can go to Rome and he can appeal to Caesar. Now, the Caesar at that time was Nero, and he was a bloodthirsty, mad, crazy individual. He was a despot. He was a terrible, evil person. But Paul said, I, I appeal to him. And there was a promise that God gave to Paul. You know what it was? I am going to promise you that you will be in Rome and you will preach in Rome in the palace of the Caesar. Without, how many of you know that when God promises you something that those promises are yea and amen? How many of you know that all the promises of God are yea and amen? God is not slack concerning his promise. God will keep his word. And God has made great and mighty promises to all the faithful, to all the people that have owned the name of Jesus and trusted the shed blood of Jesus. God has given you a promise. One is I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, but I will go with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Another promise is, is that I not only will provide for you, but I will bring you out. I will, I will deliver you that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord. Can somebody say, but the Lord? But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Thanks be to God who delivers us who pardons all of our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. Can you say praise God for that? So Paul sets out then for Rome. And a, and a person companion, a companion that was assigned to him was a, a, a centurion whose name was Justice. And Justice was very kind toward Paul. And I, I kind of believe the Lord had worked on his heart, Rodney, and kind of given him a, a, an experience with God so that he loved the man of God and appreciated the man of God. In fact, when they got as far as Sidon, the Bible said the centurion released Paul to go to church. Said, hey, it's Lord's Day this weekend. You think you want to go to church? Paul said, I'd love to go to church. He said, well, why don't you go to church and get over there with all those other Christian friends that you've got and sing those songs, amen, listen to that preaching and read that word and do what Christians do. He said, just feel free. Here, take the shackles off. Go ahead and do it. Wow. Well, why didn't he just run away, Brother Jerry? Because God promised him, you're going to preach in Rome. And God's way of getting me to Rome is his own business. And I, I, I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to get me to Rome some way or another because God promised me. Wouldn't it be something if you were as committed to the promise that God gave you as Paul was committed to his promise? When he could have run away and could have escaped, he said, no, I'm not going to escape. I'm going the way that the Lord has made for me. And God has set a path for my feet. You know, when you pray that prayer that the, the, the shepherd will lead you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
I told you the most dangerous prayer is to pray, Lord, use me. Another one is say, Lord, lead me. Because when the Lord leads you, he may not lead you in some directions you want to go. It may not be something you would enjoy. It may not be a pleasant place. In fact, it might be a place that uh, requires a lot of faith and a lot of strong will and a lot of determination, a lot of strength, spiritual stamina to stand in there and do things God's way, his will, but his way. When he said, I'm going to accept God's way. Evidently, it was God's way for this centurion to conduct him to Rome. Well, when they got to Sidon, uh, they sailed up and there was no real problem. But then when they set out again to go along the coast of Asia Minor up uh, through Silesia and those Lycia and those areas, those ports up there, things got a little bit worse. And uh, the Bible said the wind was contrary to them. Have you ever tried to sail against contrary wind? Come on, don't act so smug. I know you. Amen. Hey, brother, everybody that's lived any length of time in Christian faith has gone through some contrary wind situations. He said it took us a long time to get to a place that we should have got there quicker, but we couldn't get there because the wind was contrary to us. Now, I want to tell you, every Christian that's in this battle and this voyage, this journey we call life, there are going to be some times when everything you touch is going to seem like a, a wrong move. And there's going to be some times when every decision you make is going to kind of come back to haunt you. And there's going to be some times when, when you just can't get anything to go right. And the winds are contrary. Hey, you're looking at a guy right here. I wish I had the wind behind me on everything I did and said and worked on for God. But it's not that way. Amen. Sometimes it just don't work out. And sometimes what I thought was going to be a beautiful rose turns out to be a weed. And sometimes what I think is going to be a great day turns into a, a, a sad day. And something that I thought was going to be a great victory uh, turns out to be a setback. Sometimes my poor judgment kind of calls us contrary winds to blow against me and I, I can't get to where, oh, I get there, but it just takes me a longer time to get there. And because of the contrary winds that blew, it took them a long time to get to that place where God wanted them to get. But the Bible said when they finally got there to, to that, that port in Myra, anybody here named Myra? Be good to have a port named after you, wouldn't it? The court was, uh, port was Myra, and they uh, ported there, and the Bible said then that they changed ships. They got off that little ship. Hey, you remember the day when you got out of that little ship and got in a big ship? You remember that time when uh, God kind of blessed and things kind of improved a little bit, and you got out of that Toyota and got in that uh, BMW? You remember that day when you got out of that two-room bungalow and you got a nice uh, house and things kind of stepped up? Hey, he got a bigger ship. But this time he got a ship, the Bible said, that was an Alexandrian ship. That means it's from Egypt. And this, this one was 120 feet long. It was better than that, that ship that had carried them to Myra. And if we're going to make it to Rome, we need a bigger ship, he thought. And it's going to be a lot more comfortable. And he, the Bible said that the centurion... Centurion must have been in charge because the centurion is the one that did the business. He must have been in charge because he was the one that was going to tell them when we can go and when we can't go. So he must have leased the ship, Don. He must have leased it because he was the one that made the decisions. Wow, how about that? It's good to be cuffed to somebody that makes the decisions. If you got to be cuffed to somebody, you don't want to be cuffed to another prisoner. Hey, if you're going to be cuffed, get cuffed to the man that's in charge. Thank God for a blessing. Amen. Amen. The centurion uh, leased this ship. That was full of grain. It was full of wheat. Full of wheat. You know why? Because Egypt was considered the breadbasket of Rome. And all the wheat and the flour, all that wonderful pasta that those Italians ate, it came from Egypt. So here comes a boat that's laden with wheat headed for Rome to make some pizza. And Paul said, hey, I couldn't be on a better boat. Praise God. That's great. This thing's going to Rome. 
hey, we're nonstop here. But the Bible said that they started out and it wasn't long before more trouble. Trouble and more trouble. And the Bible said they, they finally made it to a, a port called Fair Haven, which was just below the island of Crete. In fact, it's on the southwest corner of, of Crete. And as they sailed by, they had to go behind Crete to try to knock the wind off the sail so they could make uh, room to get that far along. But when they got to Fair Havens, hey, it already got nearly to October because the Bible said that the time of the a Day of Atonement and the Day of Purim had passed and the fasting days had passed and now it's time to get on with business. So it was getting on toward October and everybody who knows anything about geography in uh, the Mediterranean basin knows that October is when the bad storms and a northeast wind comes. In other words, in uh, New York, New York, we would probably call them nor nor'easters, nor'easters. It's a northeaster. Yeah, in other words, that wind comes at hurricane strength right from northeast to southwest. Yeah, our tornadoes come southwest to northeast. Don't, well, this is a strong, it, it was so bad a storm that the Bible said they called it Euroclidon. It was a, it's a hurricane. Can you imagine a hurricane on the Mediterranean Sea? Now, here these guys were sailing in this boat, and they make it to Fair Havens. And when they got to Fair Havens, they, they got in a debate. And they started debating, I wonder if we should go further, if we could just make it to Phoenix, which is only 50 more miles. Well, why do you want to move anyway? Why do you want to go anywhere? Let's just winter right here. Wait till spring. Wait till these storms quit coming. And let's just try it again, and we'll do better if we'll just wait. No, no, no. Have you considered what a dull place Fair Havens is? Why, there's not a ballpark in Fair Havens. They don't have cable, so they don't have ESPN. Can you imagine sitting here all winter without NFL, without anything? And my Lord, if we can get to Phoenix, Phoenix is a, such a beautiful city. Man, they got everything there, and it's only 50 more miles. If we could only go 50 more miles and make it to Phoenix, then we could winter there. They've got sports there. They've got Olympians there. they got wrestling. they got boxing. they got races. they got all kind of good things in Phoenix. It's a good place to winter. Who wants to get stuck in this mud we're in here at Fair Havens? Let's go to Phoenix. And what they didn't know, they should have called Glenn Campbell because by the time I get to Phoenix, some bad things can happen. Not just she'll be rising, but some bad things can happen by the time you get to Phoenix. And Paul Thad gave them the information, said, listen, guys, I, I, I'm connected to the creator. I know the main man. I know God, and I'm a man of prayer, and I've got a commitment from him, and I've got a relationship with him. And I've got a confidence in him, and he does all things well. And I'm a person of prayer, and I've prayed about this, and I'm just going to advise you here. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it go to the centurion to let somebody speak up that's in handcuffs? What, who cares about a prisoner, a handcuffed guy, speaking up and making a decision about whether we're going to go or not go? And Paul said, you'd better listen to me. You better not sail because storms will tear this place apart. You'll lose the wheat and you'll possibly lose your life. Well, when faced with a decision, are we going to believe a guy who knows God? Or are we going to go and use our better judgment and make it to Phoenix and get, get better, better hotels and better stuff? Well, they did the latter and said, don't listen to Paul. Don't listen to his advice. Don't listen to that, that, that babbler somebody called him. Don't listen to him. Let's just go on to Phoenix anyway. Let's just get on with business and let's go about our, about our business. Verse 20 said, 
and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Wow. Lost hope. Lost hope. You've heard me say many times that discouragement is one of the devil's main tools. He loves to discourage people. Is anybody in this house a testimony at times I've been discouraged? Woo. Excuse me. Have there ever been times in your life when you felt like quitting? I've had people to tell me, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm in such a mess, death would be welcome. If it could end my suffering, if it could end my pain, if it could end what I'm going through, if it could end my wrestling and struggling with my circumstance, I would welcome death if I could just get out of this mess. I know of people that have told me, I, I just don't have the desire to go on. I just don't have the strength to fight anymore. I'm tired of fighting. Emotionally, I'm dead. I'm wore out. I'm exhausted. My, my feelings are, are numb. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. I'm just so discouraged. What is it the Bible says about news from a far country? An encouragement? Like news from a far country? Mary heart worketh good like a medicine. Soul. You ever talk to your soul? David talked to his soul. 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 Why art thou so disquieted within me? In other words, why are you so stressed out? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so fearful? These men on this ship with Paul met a circumstance that was bigger than they were. They couldn't handle it. They'd already took the tackle down and thrown the tackle into the, into the sea. There was already talk that we're going down. This is not, we're not going to make it. And the Bible said on that ship there was 276 people on that ship. Can you imagine 276 discouraged people? Boy, I can about imagine what a meeting sounded like, can't you? Kind of like that when they had over entering into the promised land. We can't do this. We can't do this. We'll get killed. We'll get destroyed. The whole, we'll lose the whole shebang. There's no use to hope. There's no use to preach anymore. Don't sing anymore. There's no use to witness anymore. Don't do anything. It's, it's, it's all off. All hope was lost. How would you like to pastor an all-hope-is-lost church? Boy, wouldn't that be something? I was driving down the road one day, and I saw a sign, and it said two miles to a place called Little Hope. Little Hope. And I kept driving, Jay, and right down the road from it was the place called No Hope. So once you get the little hope, it's not far to no hope. Wow. Wouldn't you hate to write a letter and have to put your zip code down as no hope, Alabama? Address, no hope. My Lord. That's why God's word is such an encouragement to us. Now, I, I, I said that wrong a while ago. I said there's 276 Discouraged. There was 275. There was one that was not discouraged. He wasn't discouraged because he had a promise. And the promise was, you're going to Rome. So if you've got a promise that you're going to make it to Rome, then thank God no storm is going to blow you away and no water is going to drown you and no fire is going to burn you up. If you've got a promise of God, then you're going to do what God says you're going to do. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. 
So Paul, the Bible said, he got up in the midst of all of that and told him, not a one of us is going to be lost. Can you believe it? And now I exhort you, change your attitude. Be of good cheer. What does that mean? He's saying, change. Stop all this gloom, despair, and agony on me. Stop all this, I can't, I can't, I can't. Stop all this, I, God won't do this for me. It's not going to happen. I, I'm, I'm just so bad. I'm bad. Hey, Paul said, be of good cheer. Touch your neighbor and say, be of good cheer. Another rendering of that verse would be, be of good courage. Be of good courage. Now, it would take a Pentecostal to stand up in a meeting of 275 no-hopers and say, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Have you lost your mind? We haven't seen the sun or the stars in 14 days. Two weeks we can't navigate because we navigate by the stars, so we don't know where we are. We cut the loose the anchor a long time ago because the wind was blowing so hard we couldn't make it back to Fairhaven, so we cut the anchor rope, and we're just going wherever the wind pushes us. We've got no purpose. We don't know where we're going. We can't see. We don't know where we are. We don't know what's going to come of us. And you're telling us be of good cheer. Why should we be of good cheer? Paul said, because this night the angel of the Lord stood by my bedside and told me not a one of you is going to be lost. I'm going to give you, Paul, everybody that's on board the ship, not a hair of their head, not a one of them will be lost. They'll all be saved. Boy, talk about a revolutionary sermon. Talk about a sermon to people with no hope to tell them God told me everything's going to be all right. God told me, Paul said, we're going to make it. We're going over. We're going we're to be all right. We're going to be all right. And the Bible said the next thing they did was they started sounding, seeing how deep, and they found out we're getting closer to something. It was 20 fathoms last time we checked. Now it's 14 it's getting more shallow. Somehow or another, we're getting closer to, a, to an island. You see, there were some musts that the angel said. Number one, the angel said, you must change your countenance. Got to change your attitude. Be of good cheer. The angel said, this is a must. You got to change. I wonder if an angel was to walk down that aisle this morning and walk up here and take this out of my hand and look at you all and say, you've got to change. Because if you keep on peddling that same negative pessimism, that's what you're going to keep on experiencing. God can't change what's going on around you until he changes what's going on inside you. The second thing is, second must, first must is you got to change. Second must is you got to stay on board. Because if all of you don't stay on board, the ship's going to perish and all the lives will perish too. Well, like our culture, there were some guys that said, we like Ford have got a better idea. Hey, good news is we're getting closer to land. Good news is we got a dinghy. Now, if you don't know what a dinghy is, it's a lifeboat. Now, back in those days, they didn't carry it on board the ship. They tugged it along behind them. So some of them said, we got a good idea. Let's put some anchors out. But their real motive was when we get in the smaller boat, we're leaving this big one. 
we're getting out of this mess. They may not have sense enough, but we got sense enough. We got a better idea. We got a better plan. Don't believe that angel. We believe our way will work. And the Bible said they set out and ran to the boat to get in the boat, the survival boat. And Paul looked up and he said to the centurion, said, if they go, we will not all be saved. In order to be saved, we've got to all stay on the boat. And the Bible said one of the soldiers, one of the soldiers went over and took his sword and cut the rope. Well, why would he do that, Brother Jerry? Because he wanted to eliminate the choice. Some of you today in this house need to get your biblical sword out and cut the rope. Cut the rope. Why, Pastor? Because you don't need another choice. God's given you his choice. God's given you his way. Then you need to eliminate the other choices. Cut them loose. Touch your neighbor and say, cut it loose. Cut it loose. Whatever plan you had that was better than God's plan, cut it loose. Whatever attitude you had that was better than God's attitude, cut it loose. Now here's the problem. What do you do? What happens when the thing God has given you to ride in suddenly falls apart? What do you do when the vehicle that God has been carrying you around in, always purposed, he's going to get you to Rome, and he's been carrying you around on this boat. I imagine that some fell in love with the boat. Because without the boat, you sure are a no-hoper. The problem right now with so many of us is that we love the boat. We don't want God to tear up the boat. He said we'll all be saved, but the boat is going to be lost. What happens when that job you thought you'd always have that was going to carry you to retirement breaks into pieces? What about that health if you, that you've enjoyed all of your life has carried you to 70 years old and then suddenly it's broken to pieces? What about that marriage that you thought would carry you to the grave is suddenly broken into pieces. What about that business that you thought was good forever suddenly falls on hard times and is broken to pieces? What do you do when the boat God has been carrying you around in falls apart? Well, first I want to tell you something. You don't have to have a perfect person to have a good marriage. You don't have to have perfect people to have a great church. Boy, if I'm preaching this morning, praise God. You don't have to have perfect situations and perfect circumstances to have the goodness of God in your life. Are you ready for this? God can carry you on broken pieces. If what you were riding, see, see what happened is the boat is still the boat. It just has a different form. The boat was all together at one time, and it was safe, and it was comfortable, and it was good. But suddenly the boat took on another form. And it's not together anymore. It's pieces. It's broken. My God uses broken things. He can take the broken life of a harlot named Rahab and he can bring deliverance for the people of God. He can take a man, a king, broken like King David, laying on the ground seven days 
and God can take his brokenness and make greatness again. God can take, and broke, take broken things like a, 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 a Simon Peter that denies and says, I don't even know Jesus. God can take that brokenness and God can use him to preach on Pentecost, a great sermon of Pentecostal fervor. You can take people that have lives that are shattered, like that ship was shattered, but if they have got God, God deals in brokenness. God loves to touch people who are broken and mend them and make them whole again. Hey, God is a God who is near unto the contrite, and he is nigh unto them who have a broken heart. A broken heart. Have you ever had your heart broken? Have you ever had your spirit crushed? Have you ever had your soul attacked? Have you ever had a darkness come upon your soul? But the hand of God touched you and reached down to you and touched you and changed your brokenness and healed that brokenness and healed that pain. God loves to do things for broken people. He likes to heal broken marriages. He loves to heal broken lives. He loves to heal broken relationships and situations. He's a God who heals brokenness. So don't despise the storm. The storm is God's tool. It's God's hand. The storm, God is not made any less powerful. God is not limited in any way by a storm. If God has given a commitment to you that I will sustain you and I will stand by you and I will strengthen you, I will go with you, I'll never leave you, there will never be a temptation, nothing will ever come to you, God says that you can't handle with my power and my grace and my presence. Nothing. So be of good cheer. Be of good courage. As they started sounding, finding that they're getting closer to an aisle, the order was given. Paul said, all right, every one of you that can swim, jump in and swim. If you can't swim... When the boat is broken to pieces, grab a piece of the boat. You see, sometimes those carriers can take you as far as they can go. Sometimes they have lived their life. Sometimes broken things, things get broken because they've served their purpose and it's time to move on. Sometimes things occur and things happen in life because it's time for you to step into a new dimension. Step into a new reality. Step into a new, a fresh anointing of God. There was an island. On that island, there were native people. And the Bible said they were very kind to us when we landed there. And they built a fire because we were freezing in that cold water of winter. And so they built a fire, and the Bible said, and, and as they were gathering brush and putting it in the fire, the apostle Paul put some brush in, and there was a viper in the fire, and it leaped out of that brush, and it latched on to Paul's hand. The governor of the island was a man named Publius, P-U-B-L-I-U-S, Publius. And Publius knew about that snake. And he knew about its poison because he'd seen his people die. Die because of that poisonous bite before. And he said, oh, my Lord. said, that guy just got bit, and that's a death bite. He'll, he'll be numb soon, paralyzed, stop breathing. He'll be dead in a matter of seconds. But the Bible said Paul walked over and shook it off in the fire. Oh, great God, this morning what we need is some people that are willing to shake it off. Some people that the devil may have snatched on, that old slimy serpent, that poisonous adder, 
that devil that's slanched on to you while you was trying to do something good. You may have just got through a time when God saved your life. And now, right on the heels of that, the devil snatches that hand and bites. But I want to tell you, praise God, there's enough power of God and power in the blood of Jesus and power in the name of Jesus to shake it off. Just shake it in the fire. You see, my job as a pastor is to build a big enough fire that when people come that have things that have attached themselves to them, that they'll walk over and just shake it off in Holy Ghost fire. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift. It's the same Greek word that is used for poke in the fire. Poke in the fire. Don't you love it when a fire is laying there and it's kind of smoldering and died down and you take a poker and you poke it a few times and a flame comes up? How would to God that harvest church of God would have such a stirring such a poking. Oh, God, get your Holy Ghost poker out and poke around in the fire at harvest. Rekindle those fires. Rekindle revival fires. Rekindle Holy Spirit fires. Lord, wilt thou not stir us again? As many as can swim, swim. But if you can't swim, grab a piece of the boat. In other words, that broken piece will get you to Safety. A broken piece will take you to safety. Mosey Lister wrote a song many years ago. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storm howled above me and there's no hiding place mid the crash of the thunder. Precious Lord, hear my cry. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Till the storm Passes over till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast and let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by when that long night is over and the storm comes no more but tomorrow I'll rise where storms never darken the skies Till the long night is over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Oh, hold me fast and let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. I want to tell you this morning, those musts, you must change your attitude if you've got an attitude of defeat. You must stay on board the ship. I said you must stay on board the ship and you must continue eating spiritual food. For 14 days they had need a bite. And the wonderful verse done in 37, I believe it is, the Bible said, and they were all encouraged. They were encouraged. I wonder if there's any people here today that would be like an Apostle Paul. You're outnumbered by no hopers. A lot of DGIs all around you. What are DGIs? Don't gets it. That's what DGIs are. Don't gets it. 
There's a few GIs, gets it, but there's a bunch of DGIs. Mark, bunch of DGIs. God give us some GIs that gets it. And people that will stand up and encourage other people. You see, just like that contagion of defeatism spread through that crowd, I want to tell you, optimism spreads that way too. Brother, there are people, have you said that? I like to be around him. He makes me feel good. Or you may be one of those that hates to be around you because you make people feel bad. Come on, there's both kinds. And saddest of circumstances is to be married to one of them. When all you ever hear is negative, pessimism, agony, strife, struggle, don't believe in anybody, everybody's wrong but them. When you listen to that, I, Lord of mercy, I don't know how you live with it either. But if you're here and you're broken, just grab a piece. Just grab a piece, and it'll carry you to safety. Thank you. Rise with me. Stand with me, please. I feel God in this house. I said I feel God in this house. I believe there's some encouragers here. I believe there's some people that have decided today, I'm going to do those musts. I'm going to do those musts. If I'm going to make it to safety, if God's going to get me to the other side, then I've got some musts. One's I've got to get an attitude of faith. I've got an attitude. I've got to get an attitude of faith. I've got to have, have optimism. I've got to believe God can do it. I've got, got to be a praiser. I've got to be a worshiper. I've got to, I've got to thank God for his goodness. I've got to stop living like life is all about me. I've got to, I've got to get my mind set here where I'm living for God. For me to live is Christ. And not me, but for me to live is Christ. And for me to live is to honor him and love him. And I want to do that with a joyful heart and a merry heart. And I want to do that with an encouragement and encourage everybody around me. I want you to be encouraged today. You be encouraged. If what has carried you so long has suddenly fell apart, then grab a piece. And I tell you what, there comes a time as that water got more shallow, whether you're swimming or whether you're floating. You may be a floater. You may be a swimmer. But there's one thing that you got to do when you get to shallow water. I said there's something you got to do when you get to shallow water. You know what that is? You know what it is, Susan? Put your feet on the ground and do what? And start walking. Lord, that boat done carried you through water 600 feet deep. That boat's done carried you through depths in the ocean and depths in the sea. You've already survived all of that. And now you're in two feet of water and you think you're going to perish and die in two feet of water? My God, don't drown in two feet of water. Stand up. Stand up. Just stand up. Just stand up. You know, sometimes you just got to stand up. Stand up and walk right out of that thing. Walk right out of it. Amen. And good things will happen on the other side. Let me tell you the rest of the story. When he got in that aisle, the Bible said that Publius was sick, about to die, and Paul called for him and said, bring him over here to me. When he got over there, he prayed for Publius, and God healed him. Healed him. And the Bible said then Publius started telling everybody on this island that's sick, hey, everybody that's sick, come over here. There's a man, and he preaches, and he talks about a Jesus, and if you'll come, he'll heal you. And do you know what happened? Every sick person on the island, God healed. 
Now, you may have to shake off a few vipers. But then you can pray, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. If you can use anything, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. Because if you can use anything, you can use me. Thank you, God. Take the hand of that person beside you. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, be encouraged in the Lord. God is able. God will provide. God will send the answer. Trust him. Worship him. Live for him. He loves you. Cares about you. Will lead you out. Be encouraged. You're God's child. You're a winner, not a loser. Glory to God. You're a victor, not a victim. In Jesus' name, stand up and walk out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now give God some of the greatest praise you got. If I wasn't so dignified, I'd shout. My Lord, I want to tell you, that stuff will make you run aisles. I said it'll make you run aisles. It'll make you dance a jig. I tell you what, it'll cause you to get your antennas up in the air and say, glory, 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 glory. It'll put a spring in your step. It'll put a smile on your face. It'll put joy in your heart. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you've made it through the storm, praise God. You ought to praise him for it. You ought to thank him for it. Every day ought to be praise day. Thank you, God, for getting me through the storm. Now use me. Now use me. Thank you, God, for letting us be in your presence this morning. Thank you for the power of God that's present. I, I, I just thank you, God, for touching people today. I thank you that people cut the ropes on some things today, oh, Lord, some alternative things that they thought might be better than your way. Thank you, God, that they cut that rope Thank you, God, for some people that took a hold of a piece. What, what they'd been riding in became unfit to ride anymore. But, God, you let them know that I can use the broken pieces. God, help people to know, O oh Lord, that God is a God who heals brokenness. As we depart from this place of worship and this place of encounter, I pray, O oh God, that you'd guard our steps and guide our steps and help us, Lord, to purposefully walk the path of righteousness for your namesake. Through Jesus, through Jesus, through Jesus, the master of the art of living and our Savior. Amen and amen and amen.